Clem Song Sparrow Farm and Nursery grows extraordinary herbaceous perennials, uncommon trees and shrubs, and a selection of luxurious peonies. Song Sparrow Nursery is a proud underwriter of Kendrew's Real Dirt. Songsparrow.com, S-O-N-G-S-P-A-R-R-O-W.com. Underwriting also provided by Plant Skid, Deer and Rabbit Repellent, the first repellent to be listed organic by the Organic Materials Review Institute. Plant Skid is Swedish for plant protection and now comes with a plant protection guarantee. For details, www.plantskid.com. P-L-A-N-T-S-K-Y-D-D. Hello and welcome. It's Ken Drews and you're listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt. The Garden Show, the Garden Radio Show, the podcast. We're here every week, and I'm saying we are. It's not just the royal we, because today I have a guest. I have Susie Bales, and Susie is an author of 13 books on gardening. She's a a gardener first, actually a a great gardener first and foremost. And uh, she has a new book called The Garden in Winter, And this is a great time of year to think about the garden in winter because this week we had our first taste of fall. It was cool, and there's a little bit of color on the trees. There's going to be more soon. And last Saturday was one of those perfect fall days. The temperature was wonderful. The air smelled so great. And all I could think about was pumpkins and maybe fall color. Oh, and I hope that some of you can come and see me. I'm going to be at the Tower Hill Botanic Garden in Boylston, Massachusetts. That's right near Worcester. And I'm going to be speaking about art may be the best revenge. They're having a big garden sculpture show, and it's lit at night. So the lecture is at 6 p.m., and it'll be followed by a guided tour of the illuminated sculpture. It should be great. So please do get in touch and maybe come visit me. It's Tower Hill bg.org, T-O-W-E-R-H-I-L-L-B-G dot org, or you can call 508-869-6111. Well, Susie is, she's a lifelong gardener, but she's also a, a garden communicator. She was the contributing editor to Family Circle magazine. She has worked for Better Homes and Gardens. She, as I said, has done plenty of books. She's on TV. She did uh, Good Morning America spots for quite a while. But she's very interested in the, the sleepy season, the time of year when we think nothing is happening and plenty is happening. And one thing about Susie I know and about a lot of gardeners is that if you go outdoors any time of the year, and you should, just look. Look closely. Look closely at buds. Look closely at pods of plants and, and faded flowers. There's something happening all the time. There's something to see. And by January, there's even some bulbs pushing up. And maybe the witch hazel's ribbony flowers are just about to open. So I'm eager to speak with Susie about more from the garden in winter. I'm speaking with garden writer Susie Bales, author of 13 books on gardening. Hello, Susie. Hello, Ken. Nice to be here. And nice to speak with you. And uh, I said garden writer, but, you know, I, I think first and foremost, you're a gardener. I'm a passionate gardener. Well, that's how it starts, isn't it? You garden, and then someone asks you to write about it. So when... Well, someone someone asks you a question, and then you think about that, and then you want to answer the question. Well, I, I guess a lot of gardening is about sharing. It is. It is. 
not only plants, but uh, information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to talk today about your book, The Garden in Winter. And that's something that it's tough for people because they think uh, when after the killing frost, you know, maybe there's some mums and then there's nothing to do until the catalogs arrive in January. And by February, I know I'm crazy. I want to get out there again. And I, I know from your book that there's a lot of things going on, not necessarily work that you have to do, but wonderful things to see and wonderful things to, well, even blooms by the end of winter. But uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the things that we might do now to prepare for this winter or for winters in the future. You know, things we might plant, things we might look for, different plants. Uh, For example, you can still probably find some hellebores marked down at the garden center and plop them in and they're going to bloom this March. Well, and the wonderful thing about hellebores... um, I have people say to me, you know, they're very expensive, but the great thing about hellebores is that they drop their seed and it goes right under the skirts of the mother. And you might not notice all the little seedlings in the spring under your hellebore, but if you go out there and lift up the skirts and see them, um, you know, it's not invasive. It doesn't spread out, but you Mm -hmm. can scoop them up and move them around. And um, it's a wonderful plant to have to... um, then be able to share with others. I found that those tiny tiny seedlings there, and they're very tiny and very close together, when you move them, they grow. Oh, I, yes. I, I don't think I've ever lost one. I mean, you can move them any time of the year, even in the summer. They are so sturdy. Something about a plant, I guess, that blooms for four months, um, you know, starting in, depending on where you are in the country, January or February, it just... I don't know, but they are so easy to grow, and it's too bad they're not um, more often planted. Well, they they have become much more popular than they were, and there's so many different ones available, and the prices have come down. I remember when they first appeared, they were it was like $30 a, a pot, but yeah. not anymore. <laughs> well, the devils are still that much, but uh, some of them, but... Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's wonderful. I have a hillside, and it started with just from six plants. Do you cut the foliage off in the winter, or do you wait until the new foliage shows up in the flower buds? I don't cut the the foliage off until the plant collapses. It looks like a, um, a whirly uh, jig, you know, with all of the all of the leaves around the ground. And the reason I don't is because I think that foliage is protecting the flower buds. And it's one of those wonderful things to watch in the winter because the bud is fully formed and colored when it comes through the ground. And you can see it as soon as it pokes through. And it sometimes they bloom only an inch, you know, above the ground, and then they stretch up on their stems until they get to be a foot or two high. But the uh, flower is there as they're coming through. Well, hearing you talk about that, I realized that a lot of, Maybe finding something in the garden in winter is looking at things very closely because listen to how you just described that. You're looking. And those things in the winter are there if we just went and looked for them. Well, I think that most people have this image of their head that winter is not for gardening and nothing's going on. But I'll tell you, there's you walk around. You should force yourself to walk around at least once a week. But, you know, if you can do it more often... Some of the crazy things that um, I've noticed in the winter, I, 
you know, um, I have outdoor containers that really perk up the garden because I fill them with cut branches and stuff, leave them out all year, the big heavy cement ones that I can't move. And they are so wonderful out in the, the garden because an empty container says, you know, death or something's going mm. on. But one, on one of them, I noticed there was a big wasp nest when the winter came. And um, I had been watering it all summer and never knew that it was there on that. Um, <laughs> so you've got to be, <laughs> you find out things that you wouldn't know otherwise. Well, you said you put you put cut branches into those containers? Yes, and I do that um, before the soil freezes. And if you have, for example, one of my favorite uh, things in the garden of winter is golden conifers. And the reason is it's bringing sunlight into, you know, the garden when you have a lot of really dreary days. And that uh, yellow comes forward. Yellow is the first color your eye sees. So if you add some yellow out to the garden, um, it will perk you up and make you feel better. And so I will cut some of those and mix them with other greens and um, just poke them in the soil, and they last for three months, the cuts in the, in the oh. soil, as well as the berries. And if you have it near your house, the birds will even come and eat the berries out of the container. You'll lose your color, but you'll have a big show. Well, I cut some, uh, speaking of yellow, some of the salixes, the different willows that have colorful twigs, and stick them in my containers. Uh, Can you talk a little bit bit about the cornices, the dogwoods, and the willows that have bright branches? Oh, yes. And, well, you've also got the red twig dogwoods um, that have the bright red or the bright orange. And if you plant them, um, you know, across your lawn where you can really see them, looks like there's a blaze out there and that's a that's a wonderful thing in the garden and it's also a wonderful thing to cut and put into your um containers um the do you know um the nandin nandinas too uh the dwarf nandina the um oh there's harbor dwarf um there's a whole bunch of them there's a scarlet one um there's woods dwarf and they have that bamboo-like foliage that stays all winter, but it turns red. So it also is wonderful, and it has the texture, and you can cut those, or you can just leave them in the garden. And they have wonderful berries, too. The, uh, the, the domestica the, has, has wonderful berries that the birds don't seem to eat. Um, and I've cut those and used them in wreaths and things, and they last for a year or more. I mean, they're just hard um, like nuts and bright oh. red colors. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so in your zone, you could probably even plant an Andina now. Uh, I can't. <laughs> it's too cold for me. But You can't uh, plant now? Uh, fall? I, c- I couldn't plant an Andina. Oh, okay. I wouldn't do that in the fall. I, and I don't plant any grasses in the fall. But you could be- plant conifers now to add uh, I could plant color. conifers as long as they're, the, you know, I'm sure I would do it right away to get make sure they get some moisture before the ground really freezes. Right. Um, and I certainly could add the dogwoods and the willows if they're available. And, and now we could probably see what the stems are going to be like because the leaves will be dropping even on the plants in the nurseries and those plants are still available. That's a great idea to have a hedge of that and just oh. look at a, a line of a blaze of color across the lawn. Well, it, you'd be surprised how much it cheers you up. Uh, I think that, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, people don't realize that um, 
color is really important to make us feel better. And and winters can be all black and white, um, you know, on a dreary day. So the other thing that is really important is to look out your windows. Where do you sit in inside the house in the winter the most? And which windows do you look out? And see if you can put plant something out there to enliven that view. Because if you're not going out that much... You want to join your landscape to your house. Well, when we come back from this break, we're going to talk more about what you see out that special window. And I think that's a great idea. Otherwise, we're planting everywhere. But to really zero in on on those views, it's a good idea for all year. But for winter especially, I'm Ken Drews. And you're listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt with my guest, Susie Bales. We'll be right back. Plantskid Animal Repellent is a proud underwriter of Kendrew's Real Dirt. Developed for the forestry industry over 20 years ago, no other product has been so extensively tested for long-term efficacy. For details, www.plantskid.com. P-L-A-N-T-S-K-Y-D-D. Clem's Song Sparrow Farm and Nursery grows extraordinary herbaceous perennials, uncommon trees and shrubs, and a selection of luxurious peonies. Song Sparrow Nursery is a proud underwriter of Kendrew's Real Dirt. Songsparrow.com, S-O-N-G-S-P-A-R-R-O-W.com. Hello and thank you for staying with us. It's Ken Drews and you're listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt. And my guest today is Susie Bales and we're talking about her book, The Garden in Winter, and all the things that you can see through the winter and really look at through the winter, but some things that you can plant right now for winter interests this winter and for winters to come, because you might want to plan that. And we were talking about planning the view of the garden from a special window, a window where you sit, maybe in the kitchen or the living room. Why not? Why not cluster a lot of stuff there so that when you're sitting maybe by the fire, you have something to look at? Exactly. And you know what is wonderful? If you can take a flowering shrub and pair it with a flowering bulb for for example, if you have a winter hazel, Coriolopsis, and, and which has a wonderful yellow flowers hanging down, and then you put um, a scylla underneath or, um, you know, another early bulb, glory of the snow, something that blooms at the same time, and you have that blue and yellow um, out in the garden. It can be wonderful. Well, we think of those things as spring things, but it's really winter. It's winter in February and March when a lot of those, some of the bulbs come up in February. There's even daffodils that come up in January, and probably for you, because right. you're on Long Island where it's a little bit warmer. But there's a lot of bulbs to plant now that we can see before winter ends. And uh, you were talking about the glory of the snow and the scylla, and the, let's see if I can remember. Well, snowdrops and and. Um and the early crocus, you know, the early crocus um, are the only ones that have a fragrance. The giant hybrids, which bloom later, um, do not. So it's fun to just have uh, a masses of those out there. And, you know, people always think that you can only plant bulbs where nothing else is growing. And they would not put them in a perennial garden. But these bulbs, these early first bloomers are so little that uh, you know, the size of your little finger, the top of your little finger, and they only go two, three, four inches down. So you can poke them into the soil and have them bloom, and the perennials can come up around them later. Mm -hmm. And they will naturalize there, and it's um, 
it's a wonderful thing to do for early color. Well, there are a lot of things that we would never see in the summer if they were blooming because they'd be overshadowed by so many other things, little tiny things. You know how you run over and see that little crocus and even bend down and sniff it, something that you would never even notice in the summer because the, the landscape is a little bleak and kind of empty and all those things are precious. Right, right. And they're wonderful to, um, you know, to really perk your, your spirits up. And well, I find winter a fascinating season because we will start say in December, having the shoots of daffodils showing in the garden uh, and some of the other bulbs, even the snowdrops. You see the shoots long before you see the flowers, and the flowers are already formed in the bulb, and they come up through the frozen earth. And to have these flowers blooming in the snow, uh, I mean, it's just makes you, uh, it's kind of a miracle. Um, And you see more of this in winter than in any other season, and I think all these bulbs have a pause button. Um, you know, they can start coming up and the weather gets really terrible and they close up and they just stay there. And then they'll, as soon as the sun shines, they'll, um, you know, go up a couple inches in a day and um, to bloom. But they can sit still for weeks at a time, depending on the weather. It's fascinating to watch their behavior. Yeah, they have a natural antifreeze. Yes, they do. They do. And they they somehow are able, from the heat of their growth, to um, thaw the soil and come up through frozen earth. Wow. It is incredible. And you were, you were talking about those early flowering shrubs, and I guess the, the one that we think of most is the witch hazel. Right. Well, that's it's, the most common. But the winter hazel um, has a, even more beautiful flowers and a, um, a better perfume, but it blooms a little later. Um, if you plant witch hazels, you can have, depending on the variety, one blooming from November, different ones from November right. through, you know, April. So, right. um, but what I was, one thing I was going to say about the bulbs, um, you know, it, for some reason, which I don't understand, tulips are the, the most number one planted bulb because tulips, well, they are beautiful, but they don't return. Um, you can't count on them, maybe for a few years, but after that, they're gone. But if you plant some of the naturalizers, the scylla, the snowdrops, the winter acronite, the crocus, you will have more every year because they, they, they drop seed and they also uh, form new bulbs underground. And so it's a real investment in your garden to plant those. Well, some of them, like Kynodoxa, uh, you get a little too many, I think, but others, like Pushkinia, I wish I had more. And the winter aconite, it it does increase, but it's pretty slow. <laughs> it is slow, but it, it but every year it multiplies. And I I love seeing the new little seedlings because you can, um, because their foliage is so distinct that you can see the new little foliage um, three years before it blooms. Mm. So I, I just, you know, and the secret to those is, um, you know, you it's very hard to buy them from a grower because those bulbs, the winter acronite, are like little nuggets that are, um, oh, they've, they've, they were dug so early in the spring and they've lost a lot of their moisture. So you should plump them up by wrapping them overnight in wet paper towels and oh, really great. water them in when you plant them. 
but once you get them, you've got them forever. And if you have a friend that has them, I, I would just grab a flashlight and sneak over the fence in the dead of night. And <laughs> you just, would not. I might, you know, <laughs> because if you transplant them, even in winter, you've got them forever because that's when they really want to be moved. Well, um, I got some from a friend and in a block of ice. Yes. She, she dug up a little pancake of ice with them, and that's how I got mine. Well, you know, at the turn of the last century, gardeners were mailing them to each other. Elizabeth Lawrence talks about, you know, digging some up, putting them in a package, and mailing them to her friend in Ohio. So you know how long the mail took, and um, and that was good. It, they worked. So it's perfect. Well, I'm very interested in the shrubs that you were talking about, and I wanted to know if you were growing... What has become the hot shrub in the north, people are trying it, and that's Edgeworthia. I am not, so tell me about it. Oh, well, Edgeworthia, everybody thought it was not hardy, uh-huh. but the, you know how that is, and then right. you want to test it, and then you have it for three years, and it's beautiful, and then it one year it goes. But it's a winter flowering, very fragrant, beautiful flowers, big flowers. There's a couple of named varieties, too, large leaves, and it's quite shade-tolerant. And so I may even try it here where we went down to minus 15 last winter. So I might not, but I'm sure on Long Island, Edgeworthia would be great. So that's a plant for you to look into. Tell it for me. So we all. Oh, gosh. Uh, it's like Edge. It's E D G Edge W O R T H I A. Something quite like that. Edgeworthia. I'll have okay. to check that. Um, well, you, talking about shrubs and. Things like that. I know that you want to bring some of that stuff indoors, and you know I have a plant that's not my favorite plant. Ah, uh, <laughs> the pi- right. Japanese hydromela. Yes, it's the it's Japanese one of my Andromeda. favorites in winter. Well, the thing that I noticed in your book that I think is so great is that you cut the buds and use them in arrangements and on wreaths and. And I know that your next book, we only have a, another minute, but your next book that you're working on now is, now tell me, it's about flower arranging? Uh, it's um, Garden Bouquets and Beyond. So it's it you know, actually came out of the winter book because you cut things all year long from your garden and bring them in into flower arrangements. And you would be amazed at the stuff you can find in your garden that you can't find in the floral market, no matter the size of your garden. Because we're not looking at things um, as as possibilities because of their color and their shape and their texture, um, we've been trained to look just for flowers. So if you mm-hmm. if you open up that range and look further, um, you'd be amazed what you can find. There's grass seed heads and pods and leaves, and I agree with you. There isn't a single day. If you're having guests for the weekend, you can make an arrangement at almost any garden and even on the roadside with a couple of weeds, and maybe that's a good way to get rid of some weeds is to take their seed heads and bring them indoors. I always travel with clippers in my car. (laughs) I've been speaking with Susie Bales, whose current book is The Garden in Winter, and what's the new book going to be called? Garden Bouquets and Beyond, and you can see it on Amazon now. And pre-order it. Ooh, that's great. Yeah. Do, you, do, you have a, do you have a website, Susie? I do, susiebalesgarden.com. S-U-Z-Y-B-A-L-E-S-G-A-R-D-E-N.com. Yes. Okay, thanks so much, and it's been great to speak with you. Thank you, Ken. Bye for now. I've been speaking with Susie Bales, who's a great gardener and has a great garden which 
probably many of you have seen. It's been published lots of places, including her 13 books. And Susie has appeared on oh, so many television shows, and she had a Good Morning America spot for quite a while. She was a contributing garden editor to Family Circle magazine. She's written for the New York Times, for House Beautiful, Ladies Home Journal, and Horticulture Magazine, among others. She's a, a popular garden communicator. Now, I am not a popular garden speller. Edgeworthia. I think it's just Edgeworthia. E-D-G-E-W-O-R-T-H-I-A. Now, I always called it Edgeworthia chrysantha, but I think it might now be called papifera. Uh, it's sometimes called paper bush. It's not supposed to be hardy for me. It's supposed to be a zone 7 plant, and I can't believe how beautiful this plant can be, especially in, in shade. The buds, which form in the fall, last all through the winter, and they're they're covered with silver hairs, silvery hairs, and the buds are about an inch across, and then they open into these dangling, wonderful, fragrant flowers. And there are varieties. The species is, is kind of an off-white, and the varieties are yellow, and there's one that's red. And, oh, uh, well, you know, there's always something that you want, something that you covet that you can't grow, either because of your zone or because of the soil conditions, or maybe you can do something about it. But, you know, we try it anyway because we're crazy that way. We like to stick our necks out and take risks, and risks are one way that you can make art in the garden, and that's what I always want to do, and I'm Ken Drews, and you've been listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt, The Garden Show. See you next week. <laughs>